Hello, my friend. Special show today. It's all about the arrest of Randy Hillier, a member of the Provincial Parliament of Ontario. You can like Randy or dislike him. Doesn't much matter. The fact that he was arrested for peaceful political protest, deeply troubling. Trumped up charges. I'll take you through one of them. But even more troubling than the fact he was charged is the fact that so many people are cool with it. In fact, so many people are thrilled by it. I'm worried about the rest of us, not just about Randy. That's today's show. It's up in a minute. Let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. I want to show you what they claim was Randy assaulting a police officer. We got the video. You're going to laugh or cry. I don't know. I want to show it to you. That's why I want you to get to the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com. Click subscribe. Eight bucks a month. Get my TV show every day, plus four other shows on a weekly basis. And uh, the eight bucks a month, half the price of Netflix, we need that to pay our bills around here because we don't take any money from Trudeau. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, a conservative politician named Randy Hillier was arrested. What does that say about our civil liberties? It's March 29th, and this is the Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon yeah. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish is because it's my bloody right to do so. There are some countries in the world that give their sitting politicians legal immunity. As in, you can't sue or prosecute their politicians while they're still in office. It's easy enough to understand the thinking, because they could be sued on a nuisance basis, not just in civil courts, but trumped up criminal accusations too. But typically, it's corrupt or partly corrupt countries that give this immunity, because you've got to be pretty worried about your police and prosecutors and courts being politicized if you're going to tell them that you trust none of them and that none of them can lay a glove on politicians until they're out of office. I mean, that, that's a pretty low opinion of your court system, isn't it? I suppose another way of looking at it, which is equally corrupt and just as depressing, is that you are not so certain that the judges and prosecutors are corrupt. You're certain that the politicians are absolutely going to do nasty things, corrupt things, including financially. So you're so certain your politicians are crooks that you don't want them charged. Maybe you're a crook who brought in this rule. Either way, it's a sign of very, very bad things in your country, isn't it? But that said, political prosecutions do happen. Don't think for a second, for example, of the RCMP laying charges and the Attorney General having a two-year circus about McDuffie's expense accounts on the eve of Harper's 2015 election, don't think that was anything other than a political mission. As you know, Mike Duffy was acquitted of all the charges, and the corruption in question was the laughable case, I've never heard of this in my life, of Nigel Wright, Harper's chief of staff, voluntarily paying to the government over a hundred grand to cover the questionable expenses. Never seen a scandal that involved people paying money into the government before. Compare that circus-like prosecution to, I don't know, say the SNC-Lavalin corruption case, where the justice minister herself 
resigned in disgust over being pressured by Trudeau in his office to interfere with a criminal trial. Former attorneys general across the country demanded that the RCMP investigate, but they did not. So, yeah, don't think our police and prosecutors and courts are squeaky clean. Canada is uh, sinking in the Transparency International Corruption Index. We've fallen under Justin Trudeau. I wonder why the CBC doesn't make a bigger deal about that. I suppose that's part of corruption, too, when the watchdogs are pacified. They're turned into lapdogs by paying them. You're pretty sure more corruption will happen if you pay off the journalists who are supposed to be watching. Randy Hillier is one guy who I don't think is corrupt. He's always been outspoken. He's already always criticized authority and power. That's why he was sacked by Doug Ford, kicked out of the provincial Ontario Conservative Party. Anyone who called out the lockdowns was. Randy Hillier just wouldn't bend the knee, not to Doug Ford, not to Trudeau, not to public health officials. He was noisy and he, gasp, wouldn't wear a mask. He was a friend of the truckers, which these days is the worst sin of all. So yesterday he was told by police to turn himself in at the Ottawa police, uh, police station. But of course he was. I mean, the shocking list of charges against him, including that he allegedly assaulted a police officer, which is odd because you'd think that would be on camera somewhere. I've never seen it. Randy Hillier himself said he had no idea what that was even referring to. Apparently, it came out in the bail hearing yesterday that it was for this, seriously, for pushing open a gate that had been bizarrely placed in the way of pedestrians on Parliament Hill during the trucker convoy. For this? <laughs> he was charged with assault? Yeah. I mean, this is a stitch-up. Listen, we'll hear what the evidence is when the trial comes. Sounds pretty thin to me. Sounds like they've been waiting to take a run at Randy Hillier for a long time. He's mouthy. He criticizes everyone on all sides, including in his own party. And he gave moral support to the truckers. That's tantamount to terrorism, if you ask Justin Trudeau. I'm worried, though. Really, I am. Not just by the arrest and the obviously trumped-up charges assaulting police. And we'll talk in a minute about the bail conditions that the judge put on Randy Hillier. It's, it's unacceptable. It's like the bail conditions put on Tamara Litch, the trucker convoy founder. She may not criticize the government or any lockdowns or any mask mandates. She's just not allowed to. That's Putin stuff. That's Castro stuff. I'm upset by the arrest and by the bail conditions and the new role of the police as political police. But much more than that, I'm worried about the rest of us. The national reaction to this. The glee in the press corps, the jubilation amongst politicians of almost every party, by the way. Worse, of the silence of the so-called conservatives and so-called freedom groups, civil liberties groups, where are they? A politician was arrested on clearly exaggerated grounds, released on bail with a condition that he not criticize the government on social media. And this is taken as it's normal now? Just normal. Is it because of the Emergency Act and the banana republicification of Canada? It's now accepted that this is how it is now. The seizing of bank accounts, that's just how it is now. The police checkpoints in our capital city, 
The police being arbiters of political comments. Now, that's normal now? People being arrested for honking like this in Calgary. Hi, sir. Mocha with Rebel News. Are you guys getting a ticket for honking? For honking. For honking. That guy. Sleep well. Piece of shit. What do you make of this? Let's get some freedoms of rights. Yo, whether someone walked in their way or we just honked to say thank you. Absolute shit. And you get a ticket for that. Yep. Yeah. It seems like you're not the only one. There are a couple of more yeah, cars. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Pull more people over. Absolute tyranny. Judo. Wow, that's unbelievable. Take care. What do you make of this? You just honked and now you're getting pulled over and Yes, he can't even he can't even tell me any more than oh there's an injunction. You can't you can't honk your horn. And I go, so you can't honk your horn ever? Well yeah, there's an injunction. So that was his excuse to me. Wow. How much is the ticket? 89 bucks. Wow. No, $81. For honking. And how much did you honk? Uh, I don't know. You don't remember? That one there, I maybe honked three times. Well. Is, isn't this an interesting world, eh? It is. It is. It really is. So here. Yeah, that's $81 right there. Now you can't even honk your horn in Calgary. In Calgary? Huh. The establishment has brought itself into disrepute. Politicians, judges, police, the media, every institution. But where is the general public outcry and outrage? I don't know. Is this now who we are as a country? I hope not. And, and if we're fine with this, and if no one pushes back politically or legally or journalistically, what next? Do you think Trudeau and his crew will stop? Why? They're, they're tired of winning? <laughs> they get hungrier the more they eat, as if increase of appetite had grown by what it fed on. Tyrants don't stop as they get more tyrannical. It sort of speeds up. They're accustomed to things. They, they're unaccustomed to be challenged anymore. They hate any holdouts. They may have 99% of journalists in their pocket, 99% of lawyers and judges, 99% of political activists, but they get infuriated by the 1% holdouts. They want more, ever more. I'm worried by that. We'll see what they have on Randy Hillier when the trial comes. I'm skeptical. But even if he's acquitted, the establishment now knows something they didn't know before. They know they can get away with arresting conservative politicians. They're, 
endlessly seeking boundaries, seeking some limit. And two years into this, they still haven't found a limit, have they? Stay with us for more as we talk to Randy Hilliard's lawyer next. Well, Randy Hillier is a free man until his trial, but he's not quite free. He's not fully free. In fact, there are some political conditions on his release. Joining us now to talk about the whole thing is Randy Hillier's lawyer, David Anber, who in the past has worked with Rebel News and the Democracy Fund. He joins us now via Skype. David, what a pleasure to see you again. Thanks for making the time. You're so busy between Randy Hillier and your other civil liberties clients. Can you give our viewers uh, an update? What was it like in court, in front of the Justice of the Peace, I understand it was, when the Crown wanted onerous conditions on on Randy Hillier? How did that go? Do you, did you negotiate with the prosecutor? Was it a debate in front of a judge? How did you get him out? So it went, Ezra, thanks for having me again. Uh, it went through a good part of the day Early in the morning uh, into the afternoon, there were some discussions back and forth between the Crown and I on conditions for Randy Hillier's release. Uh, I went over the majority of them with Randy, and he was fine with them. And now what normally happens is it's either sort of a take it or leave it type situation. Either the person has to agree to all the conditions as finally negotiated or otherwise have a bail hearing where everything is at issue. In this particular case, there was one half of one of the conditions that we could not agree to. And so I got the Crown to agree that we could put that in front of the court and have a hearing on that narrow issue only. And so the issue was whether or not um, Randy Hillier would be prevented from uh, on social media or through his supportive organizations be able to comment on or support uh, anti-mask mandates and anti-vaccine anti mandate organizations or causes. Uh, my argument was that uh, none of those subjects had anything to do with the allegations that were before the court and therefore should not have formed part of his bail hearing. Uh, unfortunately, the Justice of the Peace disagreed and sided with the Crown on that. But because Randy did not agree to that condition, it remains an option available to us to appeal through the bail review process to go to a higher court and challenge that, that decision and essentially appeal the finding. Right. So the other typical conditions, my guess is you were able to negotiate things like, for example, um, sometimes it's called a surety or, or right. a certain amount of dough or don't leave the country. Are, were there, are, are those conditions uh, publicly known? Are you able to discuss those? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's some standard, very simple conditions reside at a specific address and notify the police if there's going to be a change of address. Again, there was never any concern about Randy not coming to court. Uh, the concerns were on the so-called second and tertiary grounds, dealing with the possibility of, of further reoffense and also the uh, reputation of the justice system uh, if somebody is released. And so, um, you know, there were conditions that he can't have contact with people who were organizers uh, of the Freedom Convoy, for example. And that's a fairly ordinary type of uh, condition, that when you have a number of people who are charged in relation to the same the same organization or the same incident, uh, there are normally conditions that the different people can't communicate with one another. Now, were those uh, organizers, were they named uh, a particular list of people? 
They they were, and I mean, some of the names were names that have become household names that we recognize: Tamara Leach, Chris Barber, Pat King. Uh, but there are also other names, uh, some of which uh, Randy or I recognize, other ones that uh, weren't quite clear to us who they were. But it could just simply be other individuals who are either uh, facing charges uh, due to their involvement in the Freedom Convoy, or maybe they're persons of interest that are currently being investigated by the police. Now, I, I want to get back to the political speech ban, which concerns me greatly, because, right. uh, I mean, I, I think, frankly, some of the charges that Randy's facing are laughable. I mean, uh, assault on an officer, um, the fact that Randy didn't even know what that was, didn't even know what they were talking about. And, I, and by the way, I just want to tell our viewers, I understand why you're here instead of Randy. Randy's a chatty fella, loves to talk. We love talking with him. But, of course, the, given that there's a uh, restraining order on what he can say, we don't want to get him in trouble. And, and, um, and you can speak for him. Right. Um, I think these are trumped up. I think this is political in nature. I think Randy, I, I'm actually surprised he wasn't jailed the same way Tamara Litch and some of the other characters you've mentioned were jailed. Um, so I, I think congratulations go to you uh, in large part for, for negotiating with the prosecutor. But um, I, I want to get to the wording. So Randy Hillier is not allowed to criticize mask mandates or vaccine mandates or to talk about those issues on social media. Is that the, is that the wording or... or like, for example, can he talk? He's a he's a member of the legislature of Ontario. Can he talk about them there? Can he if a reporter for the Toronto Star asks him a question about vaccine mandates, is Randy Hillier allowed to talk to him? Well, that was one of the arguments made by the Crown, which I thought was somewhat of a, of a an unpersuasive argument. But the Justice of the Peace seemed to cue in on that, saying that he's not he's not prevented from speaking about these matters. He's prevented from speaking of those matters on social media. But the, he, like, he, let me help you understand something, because a lot of people actually I uh, did get some criticism for this, saying that we had actually agreed to the uh, social media ban on 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 referring to the, the Freedom Convoy and also being able to support the so-called Freedom Convoy or any, any organization that bears that name. And that is not an unusual bail condition because whenever the allegation is that, uh, that somebody was involved in, with some group or organization that is the basis for the alleged crimes, and I'm not saying he's guilty of those crimes. In fact, I'm saying he's not guilty of those crimes, but where there are charges before the court and the theory of the prosecution is that there was a group of people or an organization or a place or an incident, it's quite common to separate the accused person from that organization, place, group of people, et cetera. So that wasn't unusual, but where it got weird in my view was including also a, a prohibition against speaking about vaccine mandates or mask mandates on social media or supporting a group or organization that is against vaccine mandates or mask mandates. And that, in my view, had no connection to the offenses whatsoever and should not have been part of his bail. I mean, again, it's, uh, it doesn't come as a surprise that I, I made this argument and I don't believe that the court got it right. Again, I, I won't say too much on that. I mean, the court can't defend itself or respond to these criticisms, but I'll just say that we are considering a, an appeal of that decision. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. It's it's one thing to say, okay, he's charged and he's charged, so stay away from them. I that, that sounds mm -hmm. plausible to me, but you cannot criticize masks. 
I mean, as if that in itself is enough to send someone to jail. That's deeply troubling that the prosecutor would demand it and that a judge would uphold it. And I, mm -hmm. I would certainly hope you do appeal that, at least on the, I mean, it, it seems to me that there's a bit of a madness that's taken over the courts, especially in the city of Ottawa. Like this, this mania, this phobia, this paranoia. Uh, I think they whipped themselves up into a hysterical frenzy. I was there for a few days, not for the whole thing, but it's a lie to say the whole city was locked down. Um, after the first few days, there was a, a clear lane made on every key road. In fact, after a while, the police were the ones who were blocking most of the roads, saying we're, you know, who were having like drawbridges practically to get downtown. Mm -hmm. It was police who set up 100 checkpoints on Parliament Hill. Um, the panic, the mania did not come from the truckers who were playful and joyful and had a festival mode. I think that town went slightly mad. And I think well, because that town has a lot of bureaucrats and liberal politicians, they sort of um, egged each other on. And I think Randy Hillier and certainly the other truckers are a victim of it. What do you think? Well, I think, uh, I mean, you said it. You, you went to great lengths to sort of describe the the atmosphere in the protest as it actually was. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It's There are these two competing realities as to what actually happened. There's the version, as you've indicated, where virtually all roads where, where truckers had parked their trucks had a lane of traffic to allow emergency vehicles and even ordinary vehicles to pass through. We know there was a lot of honking that was going on and that was disturbing some of, of the of the residents. Well, there was an injunction that was obtained. And for the most part, there was compliance with, the, with that injunction. So the uh, Freedom Convoy can't be faulted for, in a general sense, being responsible for that. Uh, there was there was no violence. There was no harassment, as, as some allegations had made. And so it was ostensibly a peaceful protest. And that's one reality. And then the other reality that 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 some are saying is that it was a lockdown, an occupation, a blockade, that it was nonstop honking into the night, that it was uh, roads were shut down, that the city was paralyzed, businesses had to close. And I mean, this is the this is the narrative that the Crown Attorney's Office is relying on uh, at the bail stage. And they ultimately will be continuing that when these matters go to trial. The, the, the reality is, though, that when the matters go to trial, they'll have to come with the receipts. They'll have to actually put evidence of these things up. And that's where I think their case is going to be problematic, because at the bail stage, the Crown can make these allegations based on an incomplete record and not based on evidence that's tested in a traditional sense through cross-examination, through alternative evidence, uh, through a, a close look at the evidence. And so once the matters go to trial, this alternate narrative that the Crown prosecutor is using to base its decisions to aggressively pursue uh, detention orders, to aggressively prosecute people who were arrested, who chose to remain uh, in the city of Ottawa, uh, contrary to what the police told them to do. Uh, that narrative is, is why this is, you've described it as madness, but it's that narrative that is motivating them to prosecute this in the manner that, they, that they're doing. And when the time comes that they have to put, put forward evidence as to this narrative, I think that's where they're going to run into some difficulty. Well, I hope you're right, but I, I don't know if Randy Hillier can get a fair trial in Ottawa. I mean, we saw what happened to Tamara Litch. I think it was 18 days in jail. 
Um, you know, I'm sure it was a coincidence that the first judge was a Liberal Party <laughs> candidate in a previous election. Um, just a coincidence, I'm sure. I, it's like one of those uh, crimes where, the, where the, it's, such, it's so notorious before trial that you can't get a fair hearing and they take it out of the jurisdiction. They take it to another city, sometimes even another province, to get a man a fair trial. And I, I don't think Randy Hillier can get a fair trial in the city of Ottawa. I don't think any trucker can. I don't th because I think there is that madness, and I think the judges are deeply part of it. I'm impressed that you got Randy out of jail at all. When is the next hearing? I mean, you say you're contemplating a possible appeal or a review of the bail. Um, is, is there a scheduled date for an actual substantive hearing on things or a first appearance, or, or what, what's next? There's a first appearance after release, which is on May the 4th. And so between now and then is a chance for me to get more disclosure. And there's going to be a lot of disclosure in Randy Hillier's case compared to the uh, typical trucker case, because the, the central allegation against Randy was this claim that he had somehow encouraged people to jam up the 911 lines, despite he never made reference to 911. And uh, his intention, as he may testify to, uh, was 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 not to have 911 jammed up, but there are going to be phone calls and recordings of those phone calls that need to be disclosed. There's video evidence that needs to be disclosed. Eventually, when all this makes its way to my office, I'll have a chance to review that, and either before the 4th of May or shortly thereafter, I'll be able to discuss uh, with the Crown Prosecutor, whoever that may be. I mean, coming back to your earlier point, Ezra, I mean, one thing we know about Randy Hillier is a lot of people like Randy Hillier and a lot of people don't like Randy Hillier. So that's, uh, you take those two different groups and you have a significant majority of the population, I would suggest, that has very strong opinions on Randy Hillier. Yeah. And there may, be a, there may be a question as to whether or not it should be an outside prosecutor or an outside judge. I mean, these are questions which I have not studied closely enough to be able to make any uh, any broad claims on the law or or advise Randy yet, but these are things we're going to be looking at for sure. You know what? I accept that politicians can commit offenses and they should be prosecuted. We don't believe in immunity for politicians. Um, I, I just can't help note the despair, the difference between, uh, oh, let's say Trudeau and his interference in the um, SNC-Lavalin corruption case, which was sustained. And you had former attorneys general across the country signing letters to the RCMP saying, where are the charges? Such blatant, um, you know, it, it, at least it begged an investigation versus dropping the hammer on a backbench MPP who's just a noisy advocate for freedom. And I have to say, uh, while I'm not prejudging the evidence, I haven't seen it, it sure feels like a political prisoner. I mean, especially in the wake of Trudeau's seizing bank accounts of his pointless invocation of the Emergencies Act, of, of the excessive policing. One of our reporters was shot in the leg by an Ottawa police or RCMP. I just feel like Canada is really slipping away on the, on the civil liberties file. Uh, your job, obviously, is to focus like a laser on Randy's case, and it sounds like you're doing a good job of that. Do you have any wider political comments about the fact that Canada is sort of, you know, if we're not shutting down TV stations um, because we call them propaganda, or if we're not deploying a form of martial law or seizing bank accounts, we're arresting opposition or conservative politicians. It just really feels like we're not fully free. Well, I guess my answer to that, Ezra, is uh, 
is the same in, in large regards, as I've said to other questions. This is in many ways a normal day at the office for me, is that standing up for individual rights and freedoms is something I do in every single case. Uh, you see these in impaired driving cases. We see this in cases where the police interrogate somebody and engage in methods that that trample on their rights. And so, yes, there is certainly a political element to the to the incidences that led to the arrests on February 18th and 19th. There's no doubt about that. But the question is, we have a charter of rights and freedoms that guarantees certain rights, freedom of assembly, free, freedom of peaceful assembly, freedom of speech. And uh, this case is just another iteration of a case where the government is overreaching uh, and seeking to prosecute somebody in violation of those constitutional rights. And so what I'm doing in this case is in many ways the same as what I would do in a vast number of other cases that I argue. It's standing up for individual rights and liberties. Well, there you have it. We like to see it. Thanks for fighting for freedom and fighting for Randy. David Amber, keep up the great work. Thank you, Ezra. All right. Stay with us. Welcome back. Your viewer, Mail Bear Feed 200, says Tamara's bail conditions are what all of us Canadians will be under once the internet censorship bill gets passed. You know what? That's uh, that sounds like a pretty dark prophecy, but I think that's the direction it's going. And like I say, there hasn't been any blockage yet. I mean, in the United States, as I point out to anyone who listen, very quickly the Supreme Court weighed in on some lockdowns. And I, I read the cases, they're very succinct, very short, unlike our Canadian rulings. Beautifully written. There was one case out of California. It was a lockdown order. Very easy to find. Gavin Newsom um, is named in it. it uh, um, he brought in some lockdowns that applied to singing in churches, but not singing in Hollywood talent shows like, uh, I don't know, American Idol, if that's still on. And the judges ruled that you can't ban singing in churches, but allow it in a Hollywood production. So they were striking down these lockdowns, and they had the same thing in Massachusetts. And the Supreme Court got involved early and often, and it wasn't shy of striking things down. In Canada, we had those same exemptions. I, I remember when The Bachelor rented out the Jasper Park Lodge in Alberta, and they were having hundreds of people... <laughs> it, Breaking the six-foot separation rule, let me put it that way. And that was perfectly fine while Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky was in jail for opening his church. See, if we, if we had an American, the American Supreme Court, that would have been struck down. Not a single important Canadian lockdown provision has been struck down by the courts, not one. How free are we? Uh, Les Bialniak said, we elect people to uphold the Constitution first then uphold the legal laws of the land that were voted for by our representatives. When will a politician have the manhood to prosecute politicians who have broken the law? Sadly, the courts are appointed, not voted on by the people. I'm not sure if I support voting for judges. I don't think I do. I'll have to think about that some more. Um, and we don't want to criminalize differences of political opinion. But we want to strike down laws or policies or government programs that are unconstitutional. That has not happened, as I just outlined. I think it is outrageous that Justin Trudeau has broken the Conflict of Interest Act more than any other 
prime minister in history, in fact, more than all others combined. And what does he get, a $500 fine for that? I think that more and more the courts and prosecutors and police are being politicized. I don't think electing judges is the answer, though. Someone with the nickname Mocking Shout says about my interview uh, with Keith Wilson, Keith Wilson and seizing bank accounts, good Lord, anyone who has any sort of respect for the concept of privacy should be enraged at this. Well, privacy is part of it, but also property rights and due process. And my God, the police literally just read a news story and said everyone in this news story sees their bank accounts. Everything's wrong with that. Oh, it's, it's troubling times, and I, I, in some ways, it feels like things are loosening up. Mask mandates are dropped in most parts of the country. Um, vaccine passports are dropped in most parts of the country. But, but remember, there's still a vaccine requirement to leave the country, to get on a plane, to take a train, to take a ferry boat. People are still being fired for not being vaxxed. So it's still terrible. But don't think for a second they won't bring it all back in if they come up with the, the, omega, the omega wave or whatever the crisis of the moment is. And unfortunately, I feel like they've trained the population like Pavlov's dog to respond to them. Dark days. Let me leave you with our video of the day by David Menzies. Big cheers for defunding the CBC at a Pierre Polyev event in Toronto. I find this pretty hopeful. I'll leave you with this to cheer you up a bit. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters. Good night. Keep fighting for freedom. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Toronto. Well, folks, I'm at the rally in Don Valley. It's Pierre Polyev. He's dropped by Toronto as part of his uh, cross-country tour. And he just wrapped up speaking. He touched on many subjects, fiscal responsibility, energy independence for Canada, um, striking out against wokeism and censorship, and uh, a lot of, he got several standing ovations from people right now in a lineup to meet him. And uh, actually, some people are here to buy conservative uh, memberships. Now, we were told by his handlers uh, he is not taking any questions today. He has to leave right away to Hamilton. So we're just going to speak to some of the folks that sat through the speech and see what they have to say about the man who wants to be our next prime minister. Dictatorships with no environmental standards whatsoever are filling their pockets with money that should be used for paychecks for Canadian workers. And when we get the gatekeepers out of the way, those workers will have those paychecks. What struck you the most about what he had to say today? I liked everything he had to say. I'm just hoping that you will follow through if, if elected because we've been waiting for two years to hear something like this. Freedom. Mm. It's all about the freedom. Freedom for Canadians. Freedom for Canada. I mean, when I've been here 30 years and I've never seen the country where it's at now. I'm always interested in what Pierre Polyev is out there to say. He has a lot of unique messages out there, but I find he focuses on the economic perspective when there is the left out dimension of the social aspect of about what we're about to face. Having a leader uh, who actually stands for the people and gives people the democracy rights and uh, power as well. Um, we work together as a team, not just, uh, you know, we had a lot of problems with Justin Trudeau in the past with, you know, taking those rights away from the people and uh, people having power to actually have democracy. So that's something that really spoke to me. And also the inflation that's going on, that's a, a big thing for me as well. Uh, many, many things actually, but what I do believe now is he's reinstilled my faith 
in Canada, and it's a faith which I've lost. Um, so, but regards Rebel News, I appreciate your guys' effort too and your honesty on a lot of subjects of which many governments are not truthful or they hide. When I go to work every morning, I see people smoking drugs on the transit and I go through numerous delays because someone's going through some kind of crisis and we see encampments in our parks and safe injection sites where they ought not to be and I just wonder what his plan is versus the liberal plan and their progressive policies that aren't exactly serving our communities. I liked what he had to say. Um, like I said, it resonated with me, but I'm just wondering, is this going to happen? Is it going to come true? Is he going to be able to deliver all these things that he said? I like the idea of bringing you know, the oils back here, the jobs back here for Canadians. There's a lot of things that he said that I really liked. Um, now we just got to wait and, and see what happens. So if a bureaucrat sees you say something that they think might lead to a political outcome that's not good for them, they could put you in jail for that. Forget it. That is an attack on our freedom. We live in the free country here. We have the right to decide what we see and say. A colony of government will repeal the anti-free speech laws and allow Canadians to think for themselves. Do you trust the mainstream media to give Pierre Polyev a fair shake? No. No, I don't. No, so I appreciate your efforts in that regards. Yeah. In fact, there was a story in the Star today quoting anonymously, of course, a senior conservative official who was concerned about Mr. Polyev um, delivering juvenile political theater. Did you see anything today that was juvenile? If anything, uh, I'm not theatrical at all and I was motivated by his speech. I think he's honest. I, th I think he's an actual, honest representation of himself. And, and uh, I'm going to vote for him, and I'm actually going to push my peers and friends to at least consider voting for him. I hope he gets in. Matter of fact, I'm going to go buy a membership right now for myself and my wife. Wow, there you go. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. Yes and no. Okay. No. No. <laughs> no. Because I feel like a lot of the mainstream media is funded by, you know, liberals and, you know, those follies and stuff like that. So. And they're just repressing us and we need to stand up uh, against them and we need to demand our freedom. It's ours and they can't take it. Did you see anything that was juvenile political theater today? Absolutely not. I thought he did a great job. He gave a great speech. He touched on a lot of subjects that everybody's been wanting to hear, like the things that we are all concerned All Every single Canadian citizen should be concerned about. These are the things that are important to all of us. No, he's pretty honest, I have to say. Yeah. Like, he just seems like a, a real, well-rounded man who's very honest and wants for the people. Is that what you witnessed today, juvenile political theater? Not at all. I saw Pierre uh, uniting people, bringing people together. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, you can see, well, the CBC is not going to give him a fair shake. Mm -hmm. And neither are the other media that's been paid for by by uh, Trudeau. They're no, bought get... and paid for. They're bought and paid for, and they're not going to support the guy that's going to bring unity to uh, our country. Yeah, he had quite a line when he said, oh, I just found a billion dollars, defund the CPC. I thought the roof was going to blow off the, uh, <laughs> the the conference area. Oh, and I just found another billion dollars. We're going to defund the CBC. <laughs> Certainly, he is saying so many right things, but are you worried, ma'am, at all that we saw the same thing with Aaron O'Toole? He said he was a true blue conservative. Once he became leader, he turned into a red Tory. Do you think Pierre is indeed coming as advertised? Yes, I feel like he's very educated, and I feel like he made his, uh, you know, well-rounded standing in Parliament over time, even with the pandemic, even before that. 
Um, I feel like he stays true to his character and uh, true to the people and what he says. He follows through um, for what we've seen. I watch a lot of him in like Parliament as well, the House of Commons, um, and I feel like he's a little stronger than Aaron O'Toole in that stance.